You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Do you believe you're good soil? Do you believe you're good soil? If you're, at least you're on your way to good soil, right? Amen. That's our goal. There's four kinds of soil, remember? And so that first soil, we would liken that more into concrete where the word is sowed, I mean, and just nothing happens. And then the other kind of soil uh, was called stony soil. And the reason that it's stony soil is because when affliction comes, when persecution comes, when tribulation comes, when temptation comes, uh, there's only enough soil for something to spring up immediately. But then when those things come, the person whose soil type that is uh, immediately that plant is gone and there's no fruit. And I'm going to remind you of this. Um, it's the, the, when Jesus gave this parable, he's wanting us to understand the seed is all the same. How do we know the seed, there's no defect in the word of God? How many you know the Bible says the word of God will never, right? Never. You know, we tell couples in counseling, in premarital counseling, you should never use the words never and always uh, because it's not true. But when God says never and always, he means it. And so he said his word would never, everybody say never, never return and void is that's a pretty good promise, right? Because if you had a tomato seed uh, and it doesn't spring up, there could be something wrong with that seed. But with the seed of the word of God, it never fails. I said, it never fails. Has he not said it? Will he not also do it? His word is true forever. Amen. And so then the third kind of soil was the weedy soil. If it's, can you say weedy? I'm not saying weedies. I'm saying weedy. It's like where the weeds come in. And what produces weeds? Well, the Bible talks about deceitfulness of riches, being money-minded, pleasures in this life, the lusts of other things, and the cares of this world. And so... We really didn't look too much at the good soil, and I just wanted to review that before we go in because that's what we're all believing to be. And there are a few things about the good soil that produces some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And I don't believe that's the end. If you really look at a corn, which the Lord is talking about, growing up in the cornfields of Illinois, when you get one seed of corn, it produces a stalk of corn. Sometimes there's three, sometimes four ears on that corn. And on every ear of corn, there's hundreds of, of new potential seeds, but we don't let them get seeds. We eat them. You know what I'm saying? Or are you, are you, you know, but you can, can keep some of them for seeds, but I believe in a thousand fold return. Amen. But I don't go around promising that to anybody and nobody can promise that to you either, except for the, the word of the Lord is that if you have good soil and you put the seed in it, it'll produce some 30, some 60, some hundred fold. That's good news. I said, that's good news. Y'all here tonight? That's good news. So let's look at Luke 8, 15. Not in my notes, but let's look at Luke 8, 15. And we're going to start in the King James Version. Then we're going to look at the New Living Translation, who's ever up there. And then we're going to look at the Amplified Classic Version. It says in Luke 8, 15, but that on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So this is the most descriptive of all the three gospels of what good soil needs to produce fruit. Now let's look at the new living in the new living translation. It says, and the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good hearted. Are y'all good hearted, good hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, Cling to it and patiently, I mean, you know, the Bible says with faith, faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God and patiently produced a huge harvest. I like a huge harvest. Do you like a huge harvest? And patiently produce a huge harvest. In other words, when you're doing this, you're sowing the seed in your heart. It's a lifestyle, living by faith. And you're producing something, some fruit on a regular basis. What is the fruit? Well, that fruit is answered prayer. That fruit is the word of God working. That fruit is salvation. That fruit is healing. That fruit is prosperity. That fruit is peace. That fruit is joy. That fruit is a good marriage. That fruit is your children raised up and call you blessed. That fruit is, uh, uh, you know, all the things that, that pertain to life and godliness, all the blessings of God, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's the fruit he's talking about. Yes. Oh, that's good news. Amplified classic. Let's just really expand this. Or as I, never mind. But as that seed is good, so, but as for that seed in the good soil, these are the people who hear the word, hold fast in a just, noble, virtuous, and worthy heart, 
and steadily bring forth fruit with patience. So if you put all this stuff together in the other two gospels, if number one, you have to, if you're going to have good soil, you're going to have to hear Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the what? The rhema Christos, right? We're not going to have time to go through that. If I get going on that again, we'll be here in half an hour because I love it so much. But remember, the logos is important. But if you know the logos, it'll produce a rhema. When you have a rhema Christos, that's the anointed word of God. And the word of God, the logos, is good enough for you to receive anything. But when you're going through something, as you study the logos, a rhema will come to you, a word from the word for you to stand on and to win with. Amen. And so it says he hears and understands. Uh, Number two, you see an honest and a good heart keeps the word. So they're doers there. I've always said, I'm a doer. See, if you just hear it only, the Bible says you deceive yourself. It's not enough to hear. Faith comes when you hear, but that's not how you get the fruit. You've got to be a doer of the word. You've got to be a doer. This is who produces 30, 60, 100 fold. And you got to have patience. Isn't that interesting? Patience. You got to have patience. In other words, even a natural farmer doesn't go out uh, one day and put a seed in the ground and expect some tomatoes tomorrow. There's a process. And in our society, we don't like the process. I mean, God has amazing things that happen instantaneously. The gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit. Healing can, uh, can manifest instantaneously. Um, a, a financial miracle can happen instantaneously. Things can happen instantaneously. But a lifestyle of faith produces things on a regular basis. And you want to be there more than having to depend upon miracle upon miracle. God does miracles. He wants to do miracles. But it's a better life to live by faith and every day be producing the fruit of the word of God. And in order to do that, you got to continually put in the seed of the word of God into your eyes, into your ears, and in your mouth. And that goes into good soil and good soil. Then what do you got to do? Well, you got to water it. How do you water it? Again, the word of God, you got to water it. You got to keep your soil moist. And and so we're going to talk some more about that today because uh, I just was going to go on, but you know, it just came up in my heart. Um, to keep talking to you about the cardia, the heart. Because again, when I hear people teach on faith, most people just breeze past this. They give you, and it's good, and I do it too. I usually use the woman with the issue of blood, how to receive your, your answer. Because we, we see some things there. But, you know, she wasn't part of the new covenant. We have an extra advantage and an insight that maybe she had some things working, but she didn't, she didn't, Jesus didn't live in her. She received her miracle from an old covenant, which was part of their covenant. Healing was part of their covenant. Remember, he told the Syrophoenician woman, healing is the children's bread. She tapped into her covenant, but how did it happen? Well, she heard something, right? And it became, in that way, it became a rhema to her. And because she heard something and she believed something, what did she believe? If I, somebody told her, if you touch him, if you touch him, virtue will come out of him, power, healing will come out of him. So you just got to touch him. So she began to believe if I touch him, how did she get faith to do that? If she, she heard something from somebody. So because she heard something, then she began to say something. What did she say? She said something within her heart even. I was talking to somebody who couldn't talk really well the other day. And I said, if it worked for the woman with the issue of blood, it'll work for you. You can't get it out? Fine. Say it on the inside. Because she said within herself. She said within herself. What did she say? She said what she heard. If I have faith to touch him, if I can just touch him, I'm going to get healed. And what did she do? Then she, she began to do something. I love what Christopher Alam said. I talked to him today, by the way, and he, he wanted me to tell you all thank you again. Um, and I'm believing with him while he was there this last time, um, his semi broke down. Yeah, in between crusades. So he called me to ask me if I knew anything about trucks. We laughed. <laughs> no, I know how to believe God forgets you a new truck, but I don't know nothing about no truck. <laughs> I don't know nothing about no semi. I don't know nothing. I don't know. I don't know. I, he doesn't know me that well yet, I guess. <laughs> No, I don't know nothing about no truck. But I know how to believe God for you to get a new one. Hallelujah. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to believe God with him for a new one. Hallelujah. Because he don't have time for stuff to break down. He got too many souls to say, too many miracles to, to see the Lord do. Anyway, so, um, but I, what caused me to get off that? Well, anyway, so there's this woman with the issue of blood, and she said something. Now, I like what Christopher Alam said. He said, the, the woman, when she said something, um, her actions, did he say it like this, chased her words? Something like that. And it just caught me. I don't know if you remember he said that, but it just caught me. He's like, see, when you believe something, you begin to say something, then your words get out in front of you and then your actions will catch up to them. Yes. 
It's not like you have to make yourself do something. Your words pull you along. I don't know what happened to you, but when he said that, I mean, I just grabbed a hold of that because it makes, it makes, it makes sense. It made sense to me. So that's how we, and then you remember she touched him and then virtue came out of him. But it's nothing said of the heart. And I think when people teach along these lines, they don't stop to look at the cardia. Because we know this of Proverbs chapter 4, it said in verses 20 through 27, one of the, part of it says that, um, that guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of your life. So what's going on out here is a result of what's in your cardia. Your cardia is container of your spirit. And um, also, I believe it contains your conscience. We're going to get into that a little bit. But um, it's the part of you that believes. I'm going to say it one more time because so, I've taught on it. And remember, we said this on Sunday morning so nobody confused because everybody wanted me to jump ahead. So we took care of it on a Sunday. You cannot believe with your mind. Amen. Knowledge is not faith. Do you need it? You must have it. Must you renew your mind? You must. Must you have knowledge? Without it, you'll perish. But you cannot believe God with your renewed mind. You, faith is of the heart. It's of the cardia. And so that's something you've got to know. It's, it, it's got to be in your heart. I think in our circle, and I know my church. I know who I talk to. I know, I know my people. Everybody has different kind of people. I know you. I know what you believe. How many of you believe that Jesus is the healer? Right? Does he heal all the time? Is it the will of God for anyone to perish, to be lost? Is it the will of God for anyone to be sick? No. We, we, we know. Is, is, is prosperity the will of God? Does he want you rich? And see, we're not scared of that, right? What, what have we discovered around? Our, we have been taught, we know as a whole, and new people are going to keep coming in. We've got to keep teaching them too because faith begins where the will of God is known. But you see, as a whole, especially my Wednesday night crowd, what? You already have settled some things on the will of God. The will of God, knowing the will of God is not your problem. Okay, let me say it a little different. The will of God is not our problem. <laughs> knowing the will of God is not our problem. Some people, it is their problem, but it's not ours. Amen. We're always learning. We got to reinforce the will. We got to keep with the word. But you see, so, we're, so if we're not walking in the 30, 60, 100 fold fruit of receiving the word of God, then, then it's somewhere else. And if anyone hangs out with me, they know that I don't like mysteries. I don't like things going unresolved. If I get a 99 out of 100 on a test, I'm not satisfied. I want to know the one I missed. And unfortunately, you know, I pass that down to the next generation. But the truth is because I want it fixed. I want to receive. If all the promises of God are yes and amen, I want them. I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to I don't want to miss out and I don't want you to miss out. And so, but when people teach on this, they don't take the time to look at the condition of the heart. And out of it flow the issues of life. And Jesus said there's four kinds. Same word, same hearing. And I remember the time he spoke to me while I was teaching this a number of years ago. He told me I could personally not tell unless he revealed to me what the people I'm ministering to, their heart type, because they receive the word the same way, all of the two, three, and four, with joy. They all yell, pop the clutch. They all yell, amen. They all think they got it. But why do some people produce and some people are frustrated and some just give up midway? Why? It's a heart thing. And if we look at it and we all grow thereby, and then there's areas in our life that you and I are more proficient at than others, and we got to make sure that we're taking care of our heart. Remember, we looked at some things, and, um, you know, we'll look at it more uh, maybe another time, but that's why the Lord himself is so big about unforgiveness, Remember, we talked about that root system of bitterness. How does bitterness come? It, comes start, it starts with unforgiveness, doesn't it? Because someone's not going to be bitter. Before you got, they're un, they're not, they haven't forgiven somebody. They're mad at someone. They're, they're listening to someone. And, and then, that, then the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. Why does it say root? Because, if, because it's in a soil. He's wanting you to see that's in your soil. 
And I don't, you know, I did this. I always give these illustrations. Um, I am not a, um, uh, my yard. Um, suddenly this year with all the pandemic, I've, I, I've kind of like tried to do some things. I give up the deer's win. Um, uh, there's not enough poo spray in the world. I'm, I'm done. I give up. I, I'm, I gave him a smorgasbord. You're welcome. Um, but one of the things I had to do was in my yard, I had this crepe myrtle that was, had grown huge and it was blocking um, the sun getting on my grass. So I decided to take it out. Well, not me personally. I hired somebody to take it out because it's huge. And so they supposedly got the root. But let me tell you, they did not get the root because it's back. <laughs> and so now I'm going to have to get a shovel or an axe and I'm going to have to, and you should pray. Uh, I think I'll stick with a shovel. But, you know, I got to get the root out. I got to get the root out. If you don't get the root out, it'll pop back up. And you can tell when people are bitter because you can chop it off for so long. But if there's a root in there, it'll come back up. And then if it's let go, the Bible says it'll defile many fields around it. You don't want to hang with bitter folk. You don't want their seeds in your yard. I said, you don't want their seeds. And today in this hour we live in, you need to keep them. Those bitter people, those Facebook bitter people, those Twitter bitter people, those radio host bitter people. And then I, I'm just as serious as I can be. You keep that bitterness out of your heart. You don't need to listen to that stuff. It's still seeds. Those are weeds, but more, it's more than seeds. It's more than weed seeds. It's bitterness. And he didn't say what kind of bitterness, just all kinds of unforgiveness, all kinds of bitterness. Um, and, and really, the person with the, the bitter root, they already got it, and, and many of them decide to keep it. And they don't really care, and they don't understand what the word says. And I tell you it all the time, but I just want you to understand it. They, they don't do it, and, and that's why you and I can't have it, is that word in the King James, defile, means to rape. It means you're throwing things in other people's field and they have no choice, but they take them in. It's like raping them. It's awful. So we need to take it for what it is. What does it do? It will choke out the seed of the word of God in your life. That's why Jesus, when he got done saying, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Ah, and if you stand praying and you're in unforgiveness, take care of it. Amen. Take care of it. Why? What's he saying? Because it won't work. It won't work. So what else does the Lord have to say about the heart? What are we doing? Well, I'm just in here for me and for you making sure. I got some things that I want from the Lord. Do you? I, I want the promises. And I, we've all got personal things and we've got things going on. And if I'm supposed to have it, I, I want to have it. Amen. I'm talking to the right people right now, right? Come on, we're good soil, maintaining our good soil, sowing seed. We believe the word. We believe the will of God. We know the will of God. We're, we're going to walk in the fruit thereof. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. All right, so what's this warning to us? Well, some of it is this. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. All the promises of God are what? Is there anything in there from that side of it then that keeps you from having it? If they're all yes and amen. No. And you and I believe around here, we're going to get into it. You and I believe in confession, right? We believe in acting on the word. So if we just stop and take a little bit of time on the heart and the soil, I think it brings understanding to us of why some things don't fully manifest or why we don't walk on them, walk in them on a regular basis. I'm talking about a higher way of living. I'm talking about living by faith. I'm, I'm talking about receiving all the time. I'm talking about bumper, se bumper crop season every day. Amen, in every area. So here, one of the things that happened in Hebrews, the writer t tells us about the children of Israel when uh, they were delivered up out of Egypt, and then they were trying to go into the promised land. And even after all the miracles that God did for them and, uh, you know, leading them by a cloud and by a pillar of fire at night and taking good care of them. Verse 7 says this, Wherefore is the Holy... Verse 7, Hebrews 3, 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice... Or if you get something from the word, or as you're reading the word, that's you hearing his voice, not just him speaking to you. Verse 8, what does it say? Harden 
not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When, verse 9, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they always do err in their mind. No, it says they err in their Yes, your mind's important, but why, why, is, why is the writer of this, why is the Holy Ghost focused on the heart? Why is he focused on the heart? Because that's where your faith is. That's the core of you. That's, that's where the issues of your life flow out of. They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So we got a group of people who've seen miracles, who God has led out. He's taken care of them. Uh, he, he's, he's worked with them. He's fed them. He's kept their clothes. I mean, all that. He, he, um, but they did something. They hardened their hearts. They hardened their hearts. And then he got grieved with them because he said they always, and that's a strong word, err in their heart. And they don't know my ways. What are God's ways? Well, one of his ways is he's a God of faith. <laughs> that's one of his primary ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. That word rest is a place you can only get to. It's not talking about Sabbath, old covenant rest, where you rest on the seventh day. It's talking about a place called faith. It's a faith is a rest where you cease from your works and you rest on God's work. That's what this is talking about. I don't have time to teach on all that. Um, but he said um, in verse 12, take heed. Now he's talking to us. Everybody say, I'll take heed. Because he's talking to you, brethren and sistren. Lest therefore be any of you of an evil heart. He's not, he's not cutting any slack here. He's laying the mustard on thick. This is spicy mustard. He said, an evil heart of, he calls unbelief evil. I didn't call it evil. He said, an evil heart. You can't, you can't water that down. Well, a bad heart. No, it's evil to him. In departing from the living God, but exhort one another. So I exhort you. You exhort me. While it's called today, lest any of you be hardened. How can you be hardened? Through the deceitfulness of sin. Through the deceit. So sin, the wages of his death, but also it'll kill your heart. Meaning this, it'll harden your heart. So we got, that's why we got to stay away from it. Amen. Amen. An evil heart of belief, departing from the living God, but exhort one another. Help one another. You can do it. You can do it while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of the confidence steadfast to the end. Uh, verse 15, while it is said, today if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. So that who has control of our hearts? Nobody but us. What's the warning? Don't harden your heart. How do you harden your heart? Well, you ignore him. You ignore the word. You don't do the word. You don't do what he spoke to your heart. You, um, you get off into sin. How do you get off into sin? Well, if you don't walk in the spirit and the, uh, he said, if you walk in the spirit, then you won't not fulfill the, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. How do you walk in the spirit? Jesus said, my words, they're spirit and life. So walking in the spirit's walking in the word, walking in the light of the word. Amen. If we have fellowship with him and we walk in the light, then the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. Oh, I'm getting into a whole bunch of stuff. Throwing, I threw a whole lot out to you right there. Uh, for verse 16, for someone they heard did, uh, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of the Egypt by Moses. But who was he grieved 40 years? Was it not them that had sinned whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear that he, they should not enter his rest, but to them that believe not. So we, uh, so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because unbelief messed with their heart. Unbelief mess they didn't believe they didn't believe him they didn't believe him but it messed with their heart unbelief messes with your heart unbelief messes with your heart and then at four seven well start at six um yeah, let's start at 6. Uh, verse, chapter 4, verse 6. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, verse 7, again, again. So he's talking to us. He, he limiteth in a certain day, saying to, in David today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So his warning, it didn't just happen to the children of Israel, to the first batch. It can happen to you and me. So what's the warning? Don't harden your heart. 
How do we harden our heart? By unbelief. How do we harden our heart? By sin. How do we harden our heart? By um, not, not pouring in the word, the water of the word of God. So your soil is something that you have to keep up how many days? Every day. You have to keep it up every day. It's important. Well, let's look at some other things. Because Jesus, you know, even himself, he, he, he just, he, he wants us all to make sure our heart is at the place that when the seed of the word, listen, the, the seed's going to get sown. If you come to church, the seed's going to get sown in you. And it's going to be good seed. It's going to be good word. It's going to be anointed word. And what you and I do with that, how it, how, how it affects us depends on our heart. The Lord can't control how your heart is. No, you can't control your spouse's heart. You can't control your neighbor's heart. You can't control any government official's heart. Nobody can control anybody's heart. And really nobody knows their heart when we're all sitting in the same room hearing the same thing. But there is a way to tell where your heart is and someone else's heart is. And we'll talk about that later. But let's get Jesus, when he was dealing with the disciples, the future apostles, in Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, um, verses 13. Mark 8, 13. And he left them and entered into the ship again, departing to the other side. Now the disciples have forgotten to take bread. Neither had they any ship in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, uh, is, Did you say that because we don't got no bread? And, and when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why reason you because you have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have, have, your, have you your heart yet hardened? Because they just came from a place where he produced everything. But he said, after that, I, why, why is your heart hardened? Why, why, why do you have unbelief? Is, look at this. Having eyes, what is that? A gate to your heart. You see not. Having ears, you don't hear. And do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments you took up? They said in him, 12. And then he said, the seven among, and he, when... And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took up? And they said seven. And he said to them, how is it that you don't understand? In other words, you know, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Why, why don't you believe? In the first place Jesus went to, is it because your heart is hard? Is it because you have eyes, but they can't see? Is it because you have ears and you don't hear? Is it that you really didn't understand? You see, just because someone saw it and read it doesn't mean they understand it. Where do you understand it? Not in your head. It's not mental assent. You understand it in your heart. Your heart agrees with salvation because you're born again. You know in your heart that you're born again. If you and I can get to the simple factor of my heart is the place that I know that I have something. This is, this is my, my knower knows. My knower knows. And that's the same it works with faith. Jesus was saying, how is it you saw, I've told you, you've heard, yet you don't understand. All right? Um, so that's one place. And then I want you to see this, Mark 16. This is after Jesus was raised from the dead. Mark 16. How many know the Lord is kind? The Lord is nice. <laughs> But sometimes the Lord is direct. Mark 16, 14. Afterward, he appeared to the leaven that sat at meat, and he upbraided them. What does that mean, upbraided? That's a King James word. He upbraided them, and, their, and with their unbelief and, it seems like unbelief and hardness of heart goes together. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So, you know, we pick on Thomas, but they all didn't believe. Remember, we pick on, you know, they call him Doubting Thomas. His real name is Unbelieving Thomas because he wasn't doubting. He was unbelieving. I will not believe. But they didn't either. So, you know, sometimes, so maybe we need to go back and preach on this as much as I've preached on Doubting, you know, doubting Thomas or Unbelieving Thomas, you know, because he upbraided them. But, what, but, what, but what's the deal? Just why, why I brought this out is because you and I all have to watch 
We don't let our heart get hard. What causes the hardness of heart? Well, yes, the deceitfulness of sin. Yes, unbelief. But for you and I, I just think it's lack of care, lack of tending, lack of water, lack of seed con- weed control, I mean, making sure there's no roots in there. If, this, if stones used to be in there, making sure no one's lobbing one over into your soil. If weeds used to be in there, no, take that out of here. I'm not hearing that. You know, watching over it. Because the Lord wants you to produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. He's not playing. He wants, you to, he wants you to walk in abundance. Come on. Thank God that we can get healed. But how many know it's better to stay well? How many know it's good to have boatload of miracles, boat, you know, sinking boat? But how many know it's better to live in a sinking boat full of stuff? Not in a, not in a sinking boat in a bad way, but I mean just, a, you know, you back your truck up every day. Amen. Just living in abundance. How do we do it? Well, um, Hosea 10, 12 tells us some things about our heart. You know this scripture. It says it's time to break up the fallow ground. Right? Sow to yourselves in righteous, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. I don't have time to stop and teach on all this, but, but the truth of the matter is, I will, just that one part, it's time to break up your fallow ground. That means you've got to keep your soil ready. When I come from the farm fields in Illinois, what I notice is every year they plowed. Every year they disc. Y'all know what the difference is? The plow goes in, turns up the soil, and then they come through and disc it. And then they come, make, they do that a number of times, a number, and they kick up all the dust in your house. And, and then they come, and then they come and, and do the thing where they're going to plant the, the rows. They do all that, and then they come and plant the seed. It's not just, they just don't go throw seed out there, even though it produced a great abundance last year. And the same thing, you know that if you've ever done a garden, if you've got any pots of flowers out in front of your house, you've got to do something with the soil if the next batch is going to grow. Amen. Y'all good? Amen. Can you see that? But, but, but you see, if we just skip over this, it is, well, it's just about confession. Confession's important, but you can confess all day long until the cows come home if something's wrong with your heart. And, nobody, and then everybody will wonder, I wonder what's wrong. I heard him confess the word. Well, you can't. Mm, are, are you with it? Well, I saw them acting on the word. I saw, but, but you see, if, heart, if, it, if, if it comes from the heart, as faith is of the heart, you can do all the outward signs of faith, but it's not real faith. It is a method. It is pushing a button, pulling a lever that everybody can see. But faith is of the heart. Faith is of the heart. And when we know that, then we operate out of the heart of it. And, we, and, and then you really, when you understand that, then you really will guard it with all diligence. You will really guard your eye gate, your ear gate, and your mouth gate. You will guard it because if everything in my life is coming out of my heart, I'm going to guard it. 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 Now, is confession important? Oh, I'm sure we'll get to it. If anybody leaves here, so Pastor Mark says confession don't matter. That's not what I said. I said you can do all the outward stuff and it look like you're in faith and it not work. And then people says, well, see, that confession stuff don't work. That confession stuff puts me in bondage. That confession stuff doesn't. Listen to me. Confession always works. I'm going to jump ahead because Luke 6.45 says you can tell what's in your heart by what comes out your mouth. You can tell what's in your heart by what comes out your mouth, especially when you get squeezed. What you believe comes out. What you believe comes out. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. No tree, Luke, Luke 6.45, 46, 47, somewhere around there, Luke, it says no good tree. Good trees produce what kind of fruit? Good fruit. Right? So if you're a tree, Jeremiah talks about you're a tree. If Psalms talks about you're a tree planted by the rivers of living water. When the heat comes, your leaves don't wither and you're always producing fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, it's all over the King James. Uh, New Testament, I mean, 30, 60, 100 fold fruit. 
Your roots are in good soil. They're tapped into a river, which is the move of God following the Holy Ghost. And you're always, but, but you see, it's all about your soil. It's all about your heart. It's all about the water supply. And so with that, you've got to understand, how can I tell? Nobody needs to be your mouth monitor. You already know what you believe by what leaks out of you. Not while you're in church, not while you're praising the Lord, not while you're here saying amen. While you're out by yourself, what your self-talk is. What you're saying to yourself, what you hear yourself say, what you won't let anybody else hear you say because you know they'll correct you. But just like with the woman with the issue of blood, it goes both ways. That self-talk is talk of unbelief and doubt. And that's what you believe. But it can be changed. How? Put better seed in. Make sure your soil is clear. No weeds, no rocks, no bitter roots, please. Amen. I'm going to keep it watered. You don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. If you don't like what leaks out, what you're thinking on, because you got to know the oh my goodness, you got to know the difference of what's coming to your mind and what's coming out your heart. Just because it's in your mind doesn't mean it's your thought. You've got to know the difference between your spirit, your soul, and your body. If it's a thought that comes up here, it could be from the devil. Do you know the devil has thoughts? Oh, I do. They can bombard you. Some of you don't understand what it's like to be, for some people, that the mental torment they go through. Especially in this season. Cut some people some slack. But the truth is, just because the devil did that, that's in your mind. Your self-talk. <laughs> or what, when you get squeezed. Come on. When you get squeezed. But you don't have to stay there. The Lord put it there so that you could perhaps understand what's in your heart. Nobody has to judge you. Nobody has to know. You and the Lord can fix it. But fix it. Don't just be content with it. Fix it. Don't get condemned over it. Don't get condemned. Well, I'm just never going to be good enough. This stuff don't work for me. That's silly. That's the devil. That's condemnation. We're going to get to that in just a second if we have time. Because you all just listen really good. Hallelujah. Um, so um, where are we at? Break, everybody say break up. Break up. The fallow grant. Was it fallow? Or it's not shallow. It's fallow. Whatever. Okay. Break up the shallow ground too. Um, James 4.8. James 4.8. What does it say? Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Isn't that good? Cleanse your hands. Uh Uh-oh. You sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How can he receive anything of the Lord? Right? So what do we got to do? Purify our hearts. So in other words, uh, your mind, your soul can get into your heart. If you meditate on something long enough negative, be double-minded about it, it'll it'll be seed that will go down into your heart. So you got you to get you got to make sure you're not double-minded, right? Purify your hearts. So being double-minded is dangerous. Due, being of two mindsets is dangerous. In the here, I, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. When you leave, I think I'm dying. I feel, Ethel, it's the big one. You know what I'm saying? They're too young. They're too young. They don't know. They don't know what that is. They don't know what that is. <laughs> Elizabeth. No, it's Elizabeth. I forgot. It's Elizabeth. Isn't it Elizabeth? It's Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth. I forgot about Ethel Elizabeth. Maybe Ethel was his girlfriend. I don't remember. Um, it's Fred. Anyway, so, but, you know, you can't talk two ways. One way in church and one way at home. One way church, one way to your other friend. You can't talk two ways. That's being double-minded. And the Bible says you're unstable in all your ways. You can't receive anything from the Lord. So you're not in line for 30, 60, 100 fold. Why? Because you've messed up your heart. It's not purified. You've got you to keep the soul purified. Purified. All right. Hallelujah. All right. Let's keep going. James 1.26. We're here in James 1. If any man among you seem not to be religious, seem relig- to be religious and bridle not his own tongue, but he deceives his own cardia, his own heart. So um, we've got to bridle our tongue. Why? Because it's the biggest uh, seed sower in our life. But he says, you'll deceive your own heart. So a lot of this is if you don't understand the power of the tongue and the power of words, you're deceiving your heart. You're deceiving your heart. And I don't have time to teach on it, but the Bible talks about being, there's, the devil is a deceiver. Other people can deceive you. But there's one kind of deception that's very difficult to get out of, and it's called self-deception. When you're deceived about yourself. You and I know people who are deceived about themselves. And it's hard to get them out of. 
The Spirit of God has to break, you know, break that bondage in them. And the Lord can get them out of, but it's very difficult. It's easier to get someone deceived of the devil out of being instead of self-deceived. Self-deception, part of that comes from they don't understand the power of their words. And so they deceive their heart. And if your heart's deceived, you can't produce anything. So your words are important. And then I want to uh, talk on this. One. I want to I show you about this one. Uh, I talked a lot about this one in my book, No Longer Condemned. But let's look at 1 John. 1 John 3. Woo! I love teaching on this. Y'all having a good time? Y'all are getting something? Y'all hearing from the Lord? 1 John 3. 20, for if our heart, cardia, so we're talking about our soil, condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Can you throw that up in the Amplified Classic? First uh, John three nineteen Amplified Classic. I know it wasn't in my notes. By this we shall come to know, perceive, recognize, and understand that we are of the truth and can reassure, quiet, conciliate, and pacify our hearts in his presence. Verse 20. Whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation, our heart, that word is cardia, the soil, self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us. For we are in God's hands, for he is above and greater than our conscience. So here's that word conscience I want you to see. Where's your conscience? My spiritual father, Brother Hagin, used to say that conscience is the voice of your spirit. Conscience, um, uh, feeling is the voice of your body. Intellect is the voice of your soul. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. Conscience, so conscience is, your conscience is in your cardia. It's in your heart. And so just real quickly, um, it says, if your conscience, our hearts, it says, for he is above and greater than our conscience, our hearts, and he knows, perceives, and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from him. Um, verse 21. And beloved, if our conscience, our hearts do not accuse us, do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. So this is what happens is uh, a condemnation is not even really from the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Ghost. Condemnation is you condemning yourself. And it's really important. There is now, what does Romans say? There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk after the flesh, right? Right? We don't walk after the flesh. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who don't walk after the flesh, but, but so it's saying as we walk in the spirit. Right? You need the rest of it. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Because if your heart condemns you, what are you doing? Your heart's messed up. Let me read this. There is now no for Romans 8 1. There is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after flesh but after the Spirit. This is the deal. If you sin, repent, and the blood of Jesus cleanses you. But if you'll walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you. But if you don't deal, if you, uh, you need to have a righteousness consciousness, not a sin consciousness. Um, there are people who have a sin consciousness that um, it doesn't even mean they sin. It's just that's all they think about is I, I'm a sinful, I'm a sinner, I can never please God. What does that do? It messes up their heart because they're condemned. It's like an old junk car or an old junk house. You've got to restore it. It's part of your, it's, it is part of your soul, but, but if your conscience, which is the voice of your spirit, condemns you, then your heart is messed up and you don't have any confidence for, for God. Now, this is the confidence that I have in him. That if I ask anything according to his will, I know that he hears me. You know, you need confidence. So the devil will help you get into condemnation, but he's not the one that can do it. Only you can condemn yourself. 
your spirit, con- you, you feel condemned. You feel let down. You feel like you let, but, but listen, even, uh, now I'm going to say this. I, I'm going to use Keith Moore's example because I got other examples. But I heard Keith Moore tell someone, someone, y'all know he's one of my heroes of faith. But uh, someone he was dealing with was smoking cigarettes and they wanted to get free. And he gave them this illustration. He said, well, it wasn't an illustration. This is what he told them to do. He said, every time you go buy a pack of cigarettes, you say, I'm free from cigarettes in Jesus' name. And he gave them some scriptures. And he said, they said, when I buy a pack, he's like, I shouldn't go buy a pack. He said, no, when you go buy a pack. Because, see, that would be the opposite of your thinking, wouldn't it? You would never tell someone to go buy a, you know, a bottle of booze or anything like that. But he said, when you, because you see when people are trying to get free and they're not free, they always throw things away or they always do things and they make this big confession before God, I'm never going to do it again. And then they get more mad at themselves the next time when they do it again. So anytime you do anything, you've got to have the word in it. He has delivered you. I said, he has delivered you. He's not going to deliver you. He has delivered you. You've got to mix your words with it. And so he said to them, so when you buy the pack of cigarettes, some of you have heard this story many times too, but when you buy it, you say, I'm free from cigarettes or whatever else he told them to say. And he said, and then when you go home and, and you know, you're trying not to, but then you get one out and smoke it while you're smoking it, you confess the word. Well, that is so contrary. <clears throat> Shouldn't they just quit? Well, they can't or they would. So they got to have some word with it. In other words, what? because if they keep trying, then they get condemned. Now, one day, and then he said, I kept doing what you said. It didn't make any sense. But he said, one day I just was done and I've never touched him again. What did it? The word of God. But what was happening before? He wanted free, but he couldn't get free because he was always condemned. And because his heart was condemned, he had no confidence before God. Am I telling you to go out and sin? I am not. I am not. I am not, I am not, I am not. Well, while you're committing adultery, just confess. No, no, no. Let's clear that up. <laughs> okay, we all clear? Pastor Mark said, well, I'm committing adultery. I just confess that I'm never going to do it again. That's not what Pastor Mark said. All right, just so we're all very clear. You better now? Yeah, okay, all right. So, um, I heard her say, clear that up. She didn't say it out loud. She just said it in her heart. <laughs> All right. So Lord help me. All right. But, but condemnation is huge. It takes all your confidence away and you need confidence before God. I said, you need confidence before God. Paul said uh, these things, Acts twenty four sixteen, Acts twenty four sixteen, And herein do I exercise myself to have my always have my conscience void of offense toward God and towards man. So see, if your conscience bothers you, then you got to, then you, you, you got to clean that up. How do you clean that up? Well, I'm determined I'm not going to offend God. Notice how that's first and man. Just throw this in there. The Bible says it's godly sorrow that works repentance. Godly sorrow doesn't happen when someone's caught. And they're sorry for getting caught. That will not produce deliverance. What produces deliverance? Godly sorrow. Praise the Lord. So he said, I, I, why do I exercise myself of my conscience void of offense? Because he knows that his conscience has to be clean and he has to stay free from condemnation because it will mess with his faith. And then I like this one. Um, I like them all. First Timothy 1.19. Holding faith and then a good conscience. So my conscience has to be clear so I can hold faith. Which some having put away, what? They, put, they sear their conscience. They don't deal with their conscience. And so they get condemned. But look at what happens. Con- have put away concerning faith and they made it a shipwreck. So it's talking about overall general faith where they're, they're not serving God anymore even. But if that can be true on that broad of a thing, then you can shipwreck your faith in certain areas by not dealing with your conscience, by letting condemnation stay in you. So condemnation is nothing to play with. 
Amen. If you've never read that book, I'm not trying to sell books. We don't make that much money off of them, just enough to keep printing them. But if you've never read that book, No Longer Condemned, you need to get that, especially if you deal with it or you know somebody who does. I know religion teaches you it's good to talk bad to yourself. It's good to tell yourself God's mad at you. It'll straighten you out, but it won't. It's good to feel guilty. It's not. It's not. You're redeemed. You're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You can do all things through Christ. Amen? And so what you want to do is run to God, not away from God, because it will mess with your faith. It will mess with your faith. So once again, I already told you this, but so how can we tell if our heart, what's in there? It is by what Luke 6.45. So I quoted it. Let's look at it, and then we'll go. Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. So if you've got a good heart and you put good seed in it, what are you going to produce? Good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. So you could even say this. So if you sow good seed into a stony heart, into a weedy heart, it's not going to produce anything. And then how can you tell what's in your heart? For out of the abundance of your cardia, your mouth speaks. And so even that, what I told you, even that self-talk, Pastor Rhonda talks about this, regulating your self-talk. How do you, what do you say to yourself? I have to be honest. I have to watch mine a lot because um, I can be very negative on myself. I can be very, uh, people don't have to be negative to me or criticize me because I already criticized myself 10 times before you can criticize me once. And it's something I had to get over. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not a way to uh, operate in faith. So I had to work at it. I had to work at it, still work at it. But all of it, you know, so maybe that's not your issue. But all these things that I talked about your soil, you got to figure out what you area you work on because God wants you to produce some 30, 60, 100 fold. Now, wouldn't it be silly for us to hear the good word of God, believe it, understand it's the will for it, do some of the actions, confess, confession and do in it, and then not produce anything? What will that make you? Frustrated. Because you know what the will of God is. So all you got to do is take an extra thought, extra step. uh, Pray a prayer the Lord can answer. Lord, is there anything in my heart I need to fix? Is there anything in there? You know, how do I, what am I not doing to protect my heart? What am I letting in my heart? What am I doing? What am I listening to? Uh, or, Or, you know, anything like that. Amen. So on your way home with your eyes open, pray that, pray that prayer and, and ask the Lord, you know, and, and you know what? Those are quick answers. I mean, I believe he'll just, you'll, you'll know it and you don't have to have anybody else tell you, you'll know. And you know what? If there's more than one thing, he's probably not going to tell you them all. He's not going to give you a 10 page to-do list. He'll probably tell you to deal with one thing. And then just when you think you conquered it, then he might give you a two week vacation, mini, mini break, and then he might start you working on something else. You're under construction. We're all under construction. I'm under construction. We never quit growing. We never quit um, improving. Amen. I said it on Sunday morning. You know, um, I guess this would be a hard church to come to if you don't want to grow. You you know, you're going to have to want to grow and want to change and get the highest and best. But I think we're all in this. Everybody who goes here wants that. And so we're all going in the same direction. And so the Lord's going to tell us more and more, and we're going to dig a little deeper. And, uh, um, you know, I believe we're good soil. Amen. Are you ready to produce some 30, yes. some 60? Yes. Woo, let's go after a hundredfold. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know him so you too can make him known.